Hey, Creighton, that's a nice hat. You what got. was that about the top? Oh my gosh. What was that time. again? Every time. Every yeah. time. All right, you're go. on, Zach. All right, welcome to the Outlaw Radio Show. My name is Zach Adams. I pastor a church located just outside of Athens, Georgia. The name of the church is Calvary 316. If you're local, check us out one Sunday. Sunday service is at 1030. If you're not local but looking for a church to watch online, uh, a community, an online community to become a part of, uh, we live stream our service as well. Uh, Outlaw, not Outlaw Radio, good grief. Uh, Calvary316.live and Facebook.com slash uh, Calvary316, the two mediums that we live stream to. Uh, check us out. I am, as always, joined in the studio by the man that needs no introduction, the maestro of this madness, the author of this dysfunction, Dick Dastardly, a.k.a. Creighton Vaughn. Hello, everyone. Welcome to, once again, my nightmare, as always. This is your nightmare. My nightmare. Hey, how's Portland? I know you went to Portland yes. last week, which is why we didn't have the show. So Portland was great. Nice hat. Thank you. I I really like it. Uh, It's a good hat. Um, So Portland. Portland was great. The Um, dream of the '90s is alive in Portland. It boy is it. Portland's (laughs) a wild city. If you've never been there, it's wild. Uh, There's a lot of crazy stuff going on. I don't. It wasn't as bad in terms of like the homelessness, grime, and homelessness as I was expecting. Uh, But it was very bad. Although you didn't do like a full complete tour of the city itself. So. Um, I did. I saw a lot of the city. We did a lot of. We did. We spent most of our time downtown or downtown-ish. City people have a different word for downtown and uptown, and it's all downtown to me. Okay. Um, but like we spent most of our time and in you the get city. To, you, yeah. you get to the Pacific Ocean for the first time. I did. I got to the Pacific Ocean. I got to spend some time in the big, uh, like pine forests of Portland. Um, it was beautiful. So One you of the never, craziest things you that never I'd went to Mexico with us on mission trips. No. Okay. Never went to Mexico. Okay. One of the craziest things was the how close like the mountain forests are to the actual beach. Okay. Because I'm from Georgia, and if you want to go to the mountains, like in Atlanta, if you want to go to the mountains, you have to drive two hours north. And if you want to go to the beach, you have to drive either two hours east or eight hours south. <laughs> and like you're, those are very disparate things. So you're like traveling through mountains, and then all of a sudden, oh my goodness, just a big body of water. Right there. It just like, drops off you the step cliffs. O- you step away from... A tree onto the beach, yeah, like and, literally and within feet. It's not a sunbathing type dynamic. The Pacific Northwest. No, no, no. It's no, cold it's not. and windy. It's not a. It's not a sunbathing, and it's not a uh, frolicking in the water kind of beach. <laughs> kind of because the water is incredibly cold. It is very. cold. I was not expecting that either. Well, I'm glad you had safe time. travels. Glad you're back, and uh, and in one piece, you're safe. Um, as always, again, in addition to Creighton, who's the producer, I'm joined in studio. Uh, by four gentlemen I call my brothers, uh, Mr. Nicholas Monty. Brother number uh, we, one. That's right, brother number one. Uh, we've got Deal Daddy Derek. Brother number eight. What's up? That's <laughs> the Ocho, also known. Uh, Spice Daddy. Daddy. And then we've got we've got Vinny Himes with us again in studio. Dear Daddy. Uh, Dear, Dear Daddy. Daddy. Dear Daddy. Now, now you have to. You, so we came up with this right before we, we went live. Uh, you have to explain why Dear Daddy uh, is such a funny nickname. Well, I am an expert at killing them, eating them, preparing them. Hunting them. Hunting them, and as well as doctoring and saving them. So explain <laughs> explain how you became literally a deer daddy. I mean, this is this is like number 10. You guys just don't know about the rest. <laughs> <Okay>. um, <laughs> All different mothers. Yeah, yeah. and different states. <laughs> and different uh, I literally saved a baby moose. You're like ODB, man. Yeah, the winter of 03 in northern Idaho, it snowed like 
nine feet of snow in one night and all the moose went from the mountains down to the neighborhoods and so i kept one in my backyard for like a month and fed it and attempted to ride it that was stupid <laughs> and, uh, okay so your most recent child <laughs> my most recent child got hit by a car in loganville and one of my customers called and asked me to come save it so I, dr uh, dear little yeah we loaded it up in the back seat of the truck drove it 45 minutes home and it now lives at my house yeah, full recovery. <laughs> Dear daddy. Dear, Dear daddy. daddy. Dear daddy. It's Dear funny. Daddy. It's it's funny. So uh, Vinny was telling us this story, and uh, and he, he the lead-in was he literally showed us a picture of his child, you know, and Creighton was the one that was finally like, you're dear daddy. Literally, you're a dear daddy. So the irony, right, that, you know, the guy that kills deers is now raising a deer. Yeah, you know. Only till he gets big enough. It's Only till he gets big enough. It's no different than cattle. I'm going to give you... Half a day to, to flee before I hunt you. Exactly. That's, that's <laughs> the most the dangerous game. Yeah. <laughs> I will not shoot him in the back. That's is how that's going to work. Um, so before we get to the topic, if you're new to the show, uh, what makes the Outlaw Radio Show a little unique is that I have no idea what we're talking about today. Uh, these four gentlemen have no idea what we're talking about. The only person that knows what we're discussing is Creighton. Creighton is the producer, comes in, he drops a topic, brings up a verse, a Bible story. Creighton drops it. It's my job to turn that uh, topic into a Bible study to the best of my ability. These guys are here uh, to help me with that by asking questions and interjecting their own thoughts and opinions. We have a bit of a discussion. Not only do we have a discussion here in studio, uh, but so the podcast will be released tomorrow, but we live stream. Again, if you're listening to the podcast on Wednesday nights at 8 o'clock, we live stream the recording of the podcast. And what makes that fun is that if you're watching in real time, um, as we're discussing what we're discussing, uh, feel free on the comments section uh, of, of both our YouTube channel and Facebook page, uh, you, can, you can drop a comment, question um, in, in, in the feed right below. Craig, yes. why don't I just pitch it to yeah, you and you absolutely. kind of explain how that works. Exactly. I also have a couple of comments. Um, yeah, so nice. on the right-hand side, generally speaking, there will be a comment section on YouTube and Facebook. If you post there, I will see it, um, and then I will you know, read them on live television um i'm aware it's not television everyone calm down <laughs> hey did um, i mention that's a pretty so, cool hat yes it is i like it a lot yeah. yours is nice too i don't know if anybody did you guys see no, i hat. just actually i just got it yeah um, i'm just kind of breaking it in it's a, it's a really good nice look. hat it's a nice, nice hat. Yeah. Yeah. look at that you can get your arms all the way up okay so yeah. comments we've already gotten we have a uh, long time friend of the show jennifer says hello to everyone so everyone say hello hello, hello jennifer. Jennifer. jennifer um and then Hilariously, we have almost the exact same comment from um, both Kathy Adams and Kelly Kennedy, which is to the effect of, oh, dear, not dear. <laughs> they all, they both heard it as D-E-A-R. Oh, like you are dear daddy. That's how she starts all her letters to me is dear daddy. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's different. It's different. Love it's you different. if you're watching. Love you. <laughs> dear daddy. Wow, that, that took a different. Oh, so I'm glad we got some clarification. Thank you. Thank you for the questions. Oh, man. Uh, so, so Kathy Adams, my mother is, is she's watching. That's, that's always fun. Yes. Uh, yes. Hi mom. And, and your hey, wife, mom. deal daddy, your, your wife is watching. So, uh, but again, if you're, if you're watching, feel free to interact. It's fun. Uh, it adds a, a unique element to the show and we appreciate the feedback. Uh, before Creighton, we get to your topic. Uh, I, I want to kind of go on a little, uh, and it's kind of a rant. It's uh, <laughs> it's a little bit of a, I don't know. 
we'll see where this goes. We'll see how this plays out. And I'm going to actually, so I have something to say to this, but I'm going to go to Vinny because Vinny and I share a similarity in the fact that, that, that I've almost died and I've dealt with the experience of, of almost dying and some of the weirdness. Uh, but, but Vinny, you too, you've also had, I think in, in your travels, what, two different, two, yeah. two different near death experiences. Yes. My lovely wife has been called twice to come say goodbye to my dying corpse on a table. What now? Okay. Just pick one of the stories. Just we'll kind of lead into this. Cause I do have a question about, about your thoughts leading into death Sure. And, and then I have a very unique question um, that we'll segue to. Uh, we'll make this quick. I don't want to take the whole episode on it. Sure. Uh, but well, the first one was very, very rapid. It was I was literally bleeding to death from a botched surgery, so that one wasn't very exciting. I didn't really have time to think about anything. Uh, the second time, you were trapped in a vehicle. I was crushed underneath of a truck <laughs> that had rolled in seventy mile an hour side winds going across the prairie in Idaho, and and I literally could hear the EMTs given up on me like they got the other two people out of the vehicle and they were just like that that guy's dead like call his wife tell him tell her he's and you dead. were driving right i was in the driver's seat the other two people were passengers and that side of the truck didn't get crushed so they got out really easy um so i got i got crushed folded in half my head was between my ankles and there was hot engine oil running into my nostrils so i couldn't yell or talk because i would inhale hot motor oil into my lungs so i all i could do was just fo- focus on breathing through my mouth and then blowing as hard as I could out of my nose. Cause I mean, this was burning hot engine oil. Right. And it got to a point where I could no longer get oxygen into my lungs. Cause I was crushed. I was being crushed. And, um, and so you're hearing the EMTs outside, like they, Hey, my buddy's in the truck, but they're like, we can't get to it. Yeah. Him. They're like, he's dead They're We're not even going to try. If we try to roll the vehicle over, he's dead. Like if he's not dead now, he will be, if we try to roll it over and get him out. So, it was very frustrating, and when my body started to die, I watched the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. Uh, it was funny. Before the show, we were talking about never crying, but I literally watched both my kids grow up, get married, and have kids without me just in a flash, and that's when I knew I was pretty much headed out the door. And at the last possible second, I had realized that I drove with my seat all the way up all the time because it was a big lifted truck so that was how i could see down into traffic and so i was able to reach over and hit the button and lower the seat down enough to get that one last breath of air and in that moment i i had just enough room for just the right amount of time to get out of the crush position and get up under the dash to where i could get between the seats and the dash and squirt out of the vehicle and get out to safety but and then you were still in terrible shape. I mean, oh, yeah. Were... I had a broken scapula. I broke both my collarbones. I broke all the ribs on my left side. I Which had actually a... helped you get out of the That's the, the truck. only way I got right. out because I could fold my shoulder all the way over to my <laughs> right chest and fit through a little tiny hole. Um, but, yeah, I literally listened to my friend call my wife and tell her that I was dead. And I had to just imagine she was freaking out on the other end of the phone. And there's nothing. You hope so. Yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) I would hope so. Wait, that guy's finally gone? (laughs) Yeah, he actually passed away. The guy that was with me did actually pass away. Oh, he passed away. Yep. Yep. So, so for for my story, um, you know, I I had, for those of you that are are maybe new to the show, um, Christmas Eve, I came down with a fever. I had COVID. A week after that, January 4th, my fingers and toes turned blue. We had to call 911. My wife did. 
that took me immediately to the emergency room. I remember the first night in the emergency room, and then for me, everything goes dark. Um, I just, just complete blank. Like, I don't remember falling asleep. There wasn't a moment where it was like, you know, they were putting the needle into my arm. Like, if anyone's had their wisdom teeth pulled, you know, that weird, it's weird because, you know, you're there, and then they tell you to count backwards from 10, and you're you get to like there. eight, and you're gone. But like, you're cognitively aware you're going under, and then you kind of, they bring you back up, like if you've had surgery, and you're like, okay, I'm here, I'm groggy, I'm foggy, but I'm, I'm back. Like, you, you remember going down, you remember coming out. Well, for me, I don't remember going down, other than the fact that I have a final memory of being in the emergency room. And, uh, and then even for the next couple days before I was technically sedated and, and entered a coma, I was talking to my sister, I, I was having interactions with my family. Um, I don't remember any of that. On the flip side to it, Coming out of a coma, which was, I, I woke up February 3rd. I don't remember that. You know, it wasn't one of those, like, I woke up, like, the movies make it seem. And it's like, ta-da, I'm here. Um, I don't remember waking up. Um, and then even the next couple weeks, all of my memories are very, very spotty. And I've kind of come back really way after the fact. Like, I've been able to put a few memories together. Like, my brother hung out with me a whole day, February 23rd. Um, gave me a shave. I don't ever remember him being there, but rewind 10 days to February 13th. I remember watching the Super Bowl with my mom. I remember the halftime show. Like, I remember vividly um, that the events of that day. That's because that was one of the greatest halftime shows ever. That's a different topic. <laughs> <laughs> Bring that up at the end. I'm going to rebuke it for that. Uh, not one of the greatest halftime. Although I was not. I don't know if I should be the critic. Um, <laughs> no, I wasn't a really good... Uh, I didn't have full stereo or surround sound, mm -hmm. but, um, you know, and Creighton, you even brought up, um, the fact that I FaceTimed you on your birthday and your birthday is when February 15th. So like, I, I do remember doing that. Mm -hmm. Jessica was with me and I remember FaceTiming you and I still had the trach in. Yeah. So my mm -hmm. point though is, and, and this is going to kind of be the leading cause I really want, I really want your thought on this. Vinny. So I had this idea the other night and this really plays into like the importance of theology. So I'm going to preface that by saying, um, I know that, that this isn't true <laughs> because of theology. But without theology, I had this exercise where it was really strange. So I was sitting, watching the Braves game. We had like a rain delay, so I was up late, sitting in my living room. Lights were dim. Kids were asleep. Jess was already, I think Jess was maybe watching a show. She was already in bed, you know, counting, counting out for the night. And I'm sitting there watching the game, and I thought to myself, like, you know, I don't remember, I don't remember going to sleep. I don't remember entering a coma. I don't remember coming out of a coma. What if I'm actually dead? <laughs> like I'm sitting there, I'm serious. I'm sitting there, like what evidence do I have mm -hmm. that I'm still not in a coma? So people have asked, well, what was it like being in a coma? I had like the craziest, most vivid dreams. Like you describe, you know, the moment where you're able to see like your children's lives play out like an almost in cinema. Yeah. You know? Like, and it's vivid. It was real, like a tangible, which is right. what freaks you out. Like I had dreams where it was like, I didn't know I was dreaming. I didn't know I was in a coma. Um, and they were just really real, vivid, uh, radical. And so I just was sitting there on my couch, like, what if I'm still in a coma? And, and this is still the continuation of that. Right. <laughs> like, how do I actually know that I'm not in hell? Um, mm -hmm. that, that my arms or I'm, I really got purgatory wrong. You know, right. and this so is bad. my purgatory yeah. and like God wants me to get to heaven one day, but I've got to fight through this and this is my punishment. 
you know, for unconfessed scenes and sins and and I really need, you know, my, my kids to pay for some indulgences so I can get out of this place. <laughs> yeah. um, I really had that thought. I bought a rosary for you and everything. Right. Thank, <laughs> thank you, deal yeah, daddy. No hey, by the, by the way, by the way, um, that's, nice a good look, that's a good looking hat. Yeah, yeah, man, you too. Yeah, that's a good looking hat. Really appreciate it. So I had this, I had this whole thought. And again, I, I didn't believe it because I know the Bible teaches me um, that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So for me, I don't believe in purgatory. I'm not in purgatory. I didn't get that wrong. Uh, I'm, I'm confident in my faith and my beliefs in the Lord that if I had died, um, that I would be with Jesus. Um, I did, you know, go in and was like, Jessica, am I still in a coma? And she was like, no, you're not. And I was like, well, that's all the evidence that I needed. Um, but my question, I was, t- I actually, the reason this came up is that I was having this conversation with someone a few days ago, and this lady made the comment, said, you know what, there are a lot of people that probably think exactly that mm-hmm. and, like, struggle with the, the, the actual essence of reality. You know, we have movies made, like The Matrix, you know, that challenge our notions of, of what is real and what isn't. Inception. Inception. But for me, it's like, if I didn't know Jesus, if I didn't know theology, if I, didn't, if I wasn't confident, I don't know if I could be really sure I'm awake. Because again, of how vivid my dreams were, they were real. They weren't, but to me, they were. So I'm, I'm curious. Just, I don't think any of you have been near death experiences. Nick, you've ever, have you ever had a near death? No. Uh, Derek, Justin, I didn't think you guys had. Hopefully, you never do. Not yeah. like but that. Vinny, did, did, are you? Does this resonate with you at all? I'm just oh, curious. Oh yeah. I mean, so the the la- the second time, the most because. Are you really here <laughs> right now? I'm pretty sure because okay. I don't, I dream a lot and I have super vivid dreams yeah. and I, it's a new hat. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> and the one good. thing that I, I thought, I've thought, so it's funny. I'm not making light of this at all. No, so this, I is, saw, this is ridiculous. I understand. I saw the Truman show when I was like 11 mm-hmm. or 12 years old. Trip me out, man. I was looking for cameras. Trip me out so bad. Like I convinced myself for about five years that I was secretly being watched by millions of people. I was like the best teenager you could <laughs> imagine. Like, I mean, things teenagers do, didn't do them because somebody was watching. So I can definitely relate to that in that sense because it's uh, the, the only thing I really can think of, like thinking of or listening to you say that, I have super vivid dreams. I've never eaten and tasted food in my dreams, ever. Oh, weird. So you've hmm. tasted and eaten food, so I'd say you're here. So when you were, when you got out of the truck, and they, I mean, I, again, I know the whole story, so I know that you, I mean, they took you to the emergency. Yep. I mean, it was a crazy experience. Yeah, they And you, at some point, lose consciousness. Um, I didn't ever lose consciousness um, until they picked me up that night, and um, my lung collapsed, and I couldn't get any oxygen, and I blacked out, and... I woke up the next day in my bed. So I, I remember the whole accident. I remember everything in the hospital. Uh, I remember calling my wife. My phone got crushed in the wreck. So they, uh, my buddy that was with me actually called my wife off one of the EMT's phones. So she didn't even know the phone number. She couldn't even call back to talk to me after they did get me out of the truck. So she spent like eight hours of her life thinking I was dead. They drove, her and my boss drove all the way from Coeur d'Alene, Idaho to cottonwood idaho which is like six seven hour drive wow on a good day this was a very very stormy windy day uh it was so stormy and windy they had shut the highway down for like five hours before we got in our accident 
they had just reopened it when I got in my accident. And so she spent hours thinking I was dead. She thought she was coming down there to pick up a body. Mm. Wow. Mm. And uh, I was sitting there just fine, talking, struggling, breathing. I mean, I had a lot of broken ribs. They had me in this crazy uh, arm brace. They had my shoulder blade literally ratchet strapped into place because I refused surgery. Um, but, yeah, after I blacked out, you know, I think it was more relief than anything. Like, you're just in such a stressful plus all the injuries and then it all just kind of hit me like it, nothing hurt at first because of all the adrenaline from the wreck and then you know you sit waiting for somebody to come pick you up for hours and then that pain starts setting in um i really think i just mainly blacked out from the pain but i woke up the next day in my bed with my wife next to me so it was kind of surreal that is surreal yeah you know? but i didn't i didn't get to experience it from your standpoint where you had no control and now you have to think back like that's eerie in and of itself isn't it weird isn't it so, weird? Do you guys have any, any, I mean, do I just sound like a weirdo? No. Um, um, maybe not necessarily have any near-death experiences like that, but coming to a point where you're like, man, are we, am I, like, how am I doing this? How am I here? What is it that's within me that the, the spirit is within me to keep me alive? Like, why am I experiencing anything at all? Like, for what? And then if, if it's not for God and live for him, then it doesn't matter. You know, I just, I guess the moral of the story, and we got to get to the topic at hand. I just kind of wanted to break the ice here, but the, uh, you know, the, but that's a glacier, <laughs> ain't no ice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, just the idea of like the, the importance of theology. You know, theology th- helps you understand what is, what's the truth. It helps you differentiate, it helps you base, tr- the truth helps you understand reality. It helps you differentiate between what is false. It helps you know what is real and what is an illusion. And without the truth, um, going through what I went through, I, I would, I can just understand how someone would be really lost yeah. um, and really struggle with, with what is real right now and what is, is just a mirage. And, um, and that's why I think it's, again, very important to know that you know the truth, the truth shall set you free. And so for me, it's like, I can have those thoughts, um, you know, in, in the quiet living room. Um, but then I, I can e- immediately check those thoughts, those feelings to what I know is, is real and the truth. And again, that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Um, I know what will happen when I die. And this isn't it. I know I'm not dead. I know that God has given me life. Um, I know I'm not in a coma. Um, so Creighton. Yes. Topic. I forgot I have a job here. I know, 25 minutes later. Sorry about that, but it is what it is. So this week, we're going to do one of those. Hey, uh, by by the way, I really really like that hat. Thank you. It's it's new. I just got it today. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So today, we're going to do an episode of, the Bible says that? Uh, (laughs) So it's going to be. We're uh, doing an episode of, say that again. Yeah. The Bible says that? Uh, What now? Come again? What? Um, and it's going to be James chapter three, verse one. Okay. As you're doing that, um, I'm going to pull that up on my phone. Yeah. Okay. And so basically I was, I was thinking this week about what I wanted to talk about. And this verse popped into my head and it's one of those things I've probably heard, uh, this idea my whole life, but I've never really delved deep into it, into exactly what it means. Um, and so would you like me to read it or do you want to read it? Um, you go, you go ahead and read it. Right. So James chapter three, verse one is, uh, my brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. 
uh, verse 2 is, For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Um, and then it goes on. But my, my real question is, A, um, what exactly uh, does it mean by teacher in this instance? Because it's weird to me to say that let not many of you become teachers. Okay. Because I feel like being a teacher is one of the, like especially in Christian circles, um, being a teacher is like, I wouldn't say the highest calling, but it kind of feels that way. Being a pastor, being a, being a teacher of men is something that is uh, always been presented to me as, um, if not something to seek out, it is something to um, revere is the want, wrong word. I'm not sure what, uh, it's a, something to respect, something to, to, to aspire to maybe is a better or word. Or admire. Than re- yeah, admire. Yeah, admiration. Yeah. Um, and this seems to be, if not uh, degradating teachers, definitely discouraging people. Um, well, and c- so, at least at a minimum cautioning. Yes. Because they're supposed to be held to such a high standard of what they say and right. how they say and what they do. So my question is just like, yeah, uh, what exactly, what, is there a difference between like, is this similar to a capital A apostle and a little a apostle in terms of what they mean by teacher? Like, we talk about things all the time here. Does that make all of us teachers? Um, does is anybody that teaches on a Sunday morning a teacher? What does it mean? What is? Why would it be discouraged? Even if it is something that we would be judged more for, especially given the idea that we won't see judgment because we believe in Christ. My brethren, let not many of so you. That's become, a lot of things. I know. Let Go. not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive. A stricter judgment. Um, I, I think, okay, to start with, there is a an interesting pronoun that's used in conjuncture to teacher that maybe gives us a little bit of insight because James is including himself mm-hmm. um, as a teacher, as an example of, of what he's referencing. You know, he says, let not many of you become teachers. And then he says, knowing that we, we, so he's including himself as a teacher, we will receive a stricter judgment. So James is identifying himself as a teacher and somewhat reiterating a caution in which he's, he's speaking to himself as well. Um, you know, the, you know, it's an interesting thing when you're talking about like gifts, you know, or, or you know, the, the, in comparison to the natural world and the spiritual world, you know, a lot of times what, what, we, what we refer to as the gifts of the Holy Spirit um, correlate directly to natural gifting, um, which sometimes can be confusing. Uh, I was at a pastor's conference this week, and one of the questions asked in the Q&A pa- panel was, you know, how, how do you know that you have the gift of teaching? Is that the same thing as teaching? Like, is there basically the essence of the question is, is there a difference between someone who, who can teach and having the gift of teaching? Uh, which I think is an interesting question and, and is applicable to this conversation. So in a, in a natural sense, there are people that have a gift to teach. And what I mean by gift is they have a talent. They have an ability, a knack. Um, they're wired in such a way that naturally speaking, they're good at teaching people things. Um, whether it be you know people that, that gravitate towards teaching in school. Um, I've got a good friend of mine, um, uh, Chad, that is a fantastic school teacher. Um, he's, he's gifted, he teaches literature. 
Um, he's gifted at taking a book and bringing it down to the level of 11th graders and unpacking the meaning and the symbolism and helping you work uh, in critical thinking and developing you know, ideas. And uh, he's a very gifted communicator. He can articulate an idea, bring it to the level by which you can understand it, to teach somebody something. Then he has the gift of teaching and the sense of like the natural ability uh, to, to, to take something that he knows and help somebody else uh, understand it and then apply it. We were talking uh, uh, around the kitchen table earlier about, you know, your weekend where you went and, and <laughs> you went hunting with a, a group of city guys you know, right. that had no idea what in the world they were doing. Yep. And yeah, part of it was like you went out and you had to, like, everything that you guys are doing <laughs> is wrong. Well, and it's a, that's an excellent example and an awesome explanation to Creighton's questioning of the scripture that you just read. If, if, I did not, if I did not do a good job of teaching those guys how to hunt, we're going to have deer wandering around the woods with their legs half blown off, you know, guts hanging out. I mean, it would just be horrible. You, you got to know shot placement. You got to know which deer are okay to shoot and which deer are not. You don't want to shoot a bunch of young ones. You got to keep, keep you know? Dick Cheney from, from so, loading up a shotgun. Exactly. And so as he was reading the scripture, that's exactly what was going through my head. Like, imagine somebody that knows nothing about the scripture, that's never taken the time to unpack it themselves, that just starts spouting off at church like I'm a pastor. And then you got these people that are truly trying to find Jesus and they're asking these complicated questions like, well, I read the scripture and I, I interpreted it as this. And you're like, well, I don't know because I didn't study the scripture. I'm a horrible pastor. I think that's exactly what the scripture is saying. Not many of you can do this because this is a very important job. Exactly. Like, like we don't want half Christians wandering around the world with their legs blown off like these deer in the woods. So it's something that you have to take very seriously. I'm not going to just stand up one day and say I'm a pastor because I don't, I haven't got the schooling that you have i didn't go to seminary school and bible college and i think that's the simple answer is so this this plays into my point though so just because you have the natural ability to teach somebody something um you know and, and kind of a contrary example uh, nick has a gift when it comes to tile work um i mean you have a gift i can go try to tile my bathroom and it's going to be an absolutely <laughs> epic disaster um but you, oh, no problem. But what's interesting is like, I don't think you could teach me how to do it. Um, give me know, a year or two. Give me a year or two. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so like, like in, the, in the natural world, there are some people that are just, they have the gift of teaching, the ability, the talent, I'll say. And then, but, but is that the same thing as a spiritual gift? And I would say no. no. Um, when we're talking about a spiritual gift, I, I do think that it can be, I have a natural talent that then it's the gift of the Holy Spirit that then becomes a natural gift brought under the authority and power of the Spirit. Um, I, I think you cannot have a natural talent, and if you're given the gift of teaching from the Holy Spirit, He can equip your natural ability to do something you can't naturally do, and then it's supernatural. You know, so so we're talking about like there's a talent that can exist in the natural world. That doesn't mean it translates always to the spiritual world. Um, again, Vinny, you know, going out and teaching somebody how to to shoot a deer is, has a different connotation than taking and divide, rightly dividing the word of truth, you know, like unpacking God's word. Um, and so when we're talking about a teacher, um, I do think that we're, we're not just talking about someone that, that articulates a thought, that, we, that, that James is getting to, I think, the gift of teaching, something that we understand within the realm of the church. you got to realize that James is speaking to the church. He's writing to the church. Uh, James was a pastor. 
this is not, by the way, and a lot of people get, get this confused, this James um, is not uh, Peter, James, and John. This is not the brother of John. This is not an apostle. This is not one of the apostles. Um, this James happens to be the half-brother of Jesus. Um, this was the first pastor of the church in Jerusalem. Um, he was known as Camel Knees. This was the James that rejected the Messiahship of Jesus, comes along with his siblings to get Jesus to come home because he's embarrassing everyone. And then this is the James where when Jesus resurrects from the dead, Paul tells us that he, uh, he appeared to the disciples, first without Thomas, second appeared to them again with Thomas included, appeared to um, over 500 witnesses, appeared to Peter, uh, appeared to, Paul will even include himself, one born out of time, but says, and appeared to James. Can you imagine that conversation where your, your half-brother, who you kind of rejected, and wasn't even there at the cross? And, and how do we say that? Well, Jesus instructs John to take care of his mother because his brother wasn't there. You know, can you imagine you're that guy and then your half-brother who who's dead and you rejected shows up? It's like, what's up, little bro? You know, <laughs> oh, man, oh, man. Like, it, it makes sense why James would spend his life on, he was known as Camel Needs, old Camel Needs, spend his life on his knees um, in communion and fellowship with, uh, with, with the Lord. Um, so James... He's saying, I'm a teacher. And he was. He was the first pastor of the Church of Jerusalem. He was a teacher, which is why he includes himself. So we're actually, he's talking about a specific role. The role of a teacher within the context of the church community. So this is not just any teacher or someone that can teach. Although I think, Vinny, you're right. Like, And it's natural component. If you have the ability to teach, there naturally comes with it a responsibility. Mm-hmm. You know how to hunt. If you didn't appropriate effectively articulate how to do this to a group of of you know white collar morons there would be carnage yes and so and and hence there is a responsibility for the man to to communicate rightly to develop an idea to articulate that truth for that truth to come across to teach it's one of the reasons why we've got a lot of really uh, stupid people uh, walking around our society um, that are quote unquote college educated but their teachers were, were buffoons. You know, our teachers, I think we can say, like, like you, you know, you, you see these man-on-the-street interviews. You know, people with, that have graduated high school that have no simple concept of economics or civics or how the government works. Um, and it's like a great failure has been our educational system. And a lot of the downfall, the decline of America, it, it can be directly attributed to poor teaching. So there is a... In a natural sense, a greater accountability, responsibility, judgment for those who teach and subsequently teach poorly. Now, again, Creighton, you kind of touched on something that I think is important, which which will enable us to pivot just a moment. But before I do that, I want to kind of get uh, Spice Daddy. I want to kind of get you in, in the conversation here. By the way, I, I really, uh, it's a cool looking hat. It's a good looking, I like your hat too. Yeah, it's a good looking hat. Yeah. Uh, so uh, any thoughts kind of contribute to the, the conversation? Yeah, I uh, just kind of looked up what, the word they use for teacher is like just going back and it has jumping into the original language. It has more of a connotation of not just a simple teacher, but more of like a master's degree or a doctorate, a PhD, I think professor or, or something along that lines would be more a a better terminology for the word. He's kind of, kind of like a professional, a professional 
like and within the church I, context, I, within we would, the church we, context, of course, but we would say that it's the pastor, it's the guy right. behind the, it's the guy that's been honored, um, um and, and and confirmed into a position of authority Correct. to be behind and a pulpit. So he's been vetted. He's been yes. this. He's been that. And and just within the context of you know academics and stuff like that, you still have these levels of teachers and these guys higher up. They they do have more responsibility because everybody's out to prove them wrong and, and so i think you still have this within that context of it because ultimately god's the god's the ultimate one and and he's he will prove you wrong and there is a bunch of responsibility in that that context you know like, we we are we've kind of very quickly uh brought the conversation into the the application of teaching i do think that it's important to point out that james is probably speaking uh, even broader than that, uh, concerning the teacher, uh, not just, uh, you know, beware those of you who are teachers, there'll be a stricter judgment in the sense that you'll be held accountable for the things that you're teaching. Um, but I think that there's an application to the teacher himself, to the way the teacher lives, um, that, that he models what he preaches, that he's living a life consistent with what he's teaching, um, and that there's an accountability to, to not just what he's saying, but also how he's living and what he's doing. Mm. Um, which, you know, Nick, you want to throw anything, um, you know, to that regard? No, I mean, the only thing I got from it was going broad with it, even though it's not, is if you're a teacher, I mean, you got to be 100% with it and make sure that you're right with it. And the ultimate example is God with it. And when we're doing that, I mean, we're always going to fail, but there's always. Well, let me let me bring this. It's interesting. Let me bring this to you specifically, um, kind of within the context of how you came to know the Lord, uh, how you've grown, why you're why you're part of Calvary 316. Which, by the way, very cool hat. Thank Um, you. I I really like that. Same as you. Yeah, I like that hat. It's it's sweet. But you know, for you, you connected to Calvary 316 because kind of for the first time in your life, you were you, you were at a church. That you were felt like you were learning things and you were going like you were being taught, right? No, yeah, for a hundred percent. That's why. That's why you still come. Oh yeah, every day. That and the blackmail <laughs> that I have on I you. Mean, but other than that, that you know, uh, we're not going to let yeah, you go anywhere. We're not going to talk about that today. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, the important. But my point is like, like there are people that gravitate to a church because of the teaching and the teacher, and and as a result, that there is a position um, that the teacher then has in the life. Of, of an individual um, that carries weight that you know what I mean you know what I mean Vinny you know what I hundred percent I went to a church for many years uh, and it was actually Calvary Chapel so I'm not gonna say where it was but it was literally I I went to appease my wife I hated it I learned nothing there um, and when we moved here to Georgia I honestly didn't care to ever go to church again because it was such a mundane boring experience and I wasn't I wasn't, I was literally doing Bible studies at home myself that were teaching me more than this pastor at this huge church. I mean, this was a huge church. There's probably seven, 800 people there, uh, three services every Sunday. And so when we came to your church, I literally wore an inappropriate shirt so that you would ask me never to come back and you didn't. So I knew right then (laughs) I was home. uh, (laughs) But I I was literally, uh, I sat there and I was, 
you couldn't wipe the grin off my face with a baseball bat the first Sunday I heard you teach because it was, I learned. I was mm. learning. I was interested in the Bible again. I was interested yeah. in the gospel. And it's, I've been here for 10 years now. And has it already been about 10 years? It's been 10 years. Wow, and, that's crazy. Uh, it's the only church I've ever attended where I truly get upset when I miss a day. Because, like, when we teach Sunday school, I'm like, man, I finally get to church. I work a lot. You know, you know, I've got tons of after hours projects that bleed off into my Sundays. So I hate when I miss a Sunday because I know I'm a lot of times I'll log on to Facebook and I'll just have it in my headphones yeah. while I'm working. So I'm still hearing the sermon. But, you know, it's it's always a bummer when we have to teach Sunday school because I know I'm going to miss the message 100 percent that day. So I got to like go back and watch it later. But. I've never gone to a church. And I think that's exactly what the scripture is saying. Like you get to these mundane, boring pastors that are just, you know, just barely getting into it. Nobody's learning. Nobody's going to become a better Christian. Nobody's going to go out and, and bring the gospel to the world properly because they're not learning it properly on Sunday. And I think that's exactly why the scripture says not let many of you become teachers because not many of us can do it good. Right. Yeah. Well, one thing a good teacher does that I've, that I picked up on him is makes his peers want to go do more research. Yes. Makes them want to go do more teaching on themselves. Makes them want to dive in and learn more because he brings up multiple points. And like you on Sunday, you bring up multiple points and you're like, I'm like, what about that? What about, and you only have an hour, you know, to speak. And I'm like, no, I want to dive into that. And right. that's, that's what a good teacher to well, me is. You just did it tonight. Yeah. Oh, camel knees. I didn't know. I'm literally <laughs> going home to research. Yeah. Yeah. It's, like, it's just like it, it makes you, you want to dive in more. <laughs> it makes you want to grow more. It wants to make you a better scholar to be closer. So let's let's pivot just a bit, um, just within the context. And I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm to point to you, Vinny, because I think in a, in a, in a many sense that this proves, proves my point. So... One of the reasons that <clears throat> I asked you to start teaching Sunday school is that I got two boys in Sunday school, and I wanted my boys to uh, to hear God's word from someone other than their dad. Right. You know, and I wanted them to identify a man with love in the Bible that wasn't just their dad. Right. And and I finally have both of them. I know. Last, last Sunday was my first. <laughs> That's day right. With both Theo, boys. Theo finally moved up. Yep. And so, like, but I wanted, I, wanted, I wanted them to get to know you and to see Jesus in you and to reinforce ideas that I've been teaching them um, in Sunday school class, you know, demonstrating what a man is and a, and a man that loves Jesus and follows Jesus and to associate certain things. Now, here's the deal. I, I don't ask just anybody to teach Sunday school because that's an important role in the lives of my kids. Um, because if you screw up. Right. And Mr. Vinny does something stupid. Mr. Vinny, because he's their teacher, has a, a, a special place. A negative impact. And can have... Yes. You can make a positive, but as great a positive is as great the negative. Right. Which kind of ties into a little bit of what of what James is getting to here. I say a little bit. I think it's really what he's getting at. So. Of like, hey, if you're going to be a teacher, like understand, yes... That gives you an incredible opportunity to make an impact on the kingdom, to influence lives. But it also, just because of the very nature of what you're doing as a teacher, does equally put you into a position that you can cause 
irreparable harm that you can really, really hurt people and, and lead them to, to false conclusions about Jesus. Um, again, you know, I don't know if, if this is kind of what prompted this particular topic, but um, I've really enjoyed uh, more in the past. He's gotten a little woke for my taste over the last few years, but um, I really like Matt Chandler. He's pastor of the Village Church and um, huge church out in Texas. Um, seemed like a really good guy. He was a good communicator, good teacher. And um, and he recently, I think, I think it was this past Sunday or the Sunday before that, um, you know, got up on stage and said that, you know, he's taking an indefinite leave because, uh, you know, he was having some inappropriate interactions through his Instagram um, with with an, a woman that wasn't his wife. Now, what was weird, he's like, I'll be the pastor of this church till I die. I've just got to take a break. Uh, nothing sexual happened. Uh, my, uh, my wife knew about this. Her husband knew about this. There was nothing romantic involved in it. You know, it was kind of, I, I, you're kind of taking a step back and like, yeah, I heard Ravi Zacharias say the same things. And, and then more comes out, you know, and you're just like, there's that negative you were talking about. Well, and he even <laughs> said, and, and you know, and this was the interesting thing. So I watched a little bit of the video and he said from the pulpit, he goes, you know, you know, I, for, for those of you that have been coming here, I, I'm so sorry. Um, I, I, you know, I apologize. You know, he was demonstrating some contrition. And then he made the comment, and those of you that might be here for the very first time, and, like, this is what you hear. You know, I'm, I'm sorry for that, and I hope that you won't judge Jesus for that. But the thing is, he can say that till he's blue in the face, but they do judge Jesus for that. Mm, like, yeah. you can't just yeah. say, I'm sorry, I get the pass. No, you, like, there's a problem. There's a problem with that. And, and, and we live in a culture, especially within celebrity Christianity, yeah. you know, there's a lot of, you know, lukewarm Christians that are not Christians at all anymore because of just the, the total train wreck Hillsong has become. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it's almost like every other week you're getting some other report of somebody else being accused of this or that. And it's like, it, you know, that it is causing a problem. Now, I, I want to address the idea of judgment. So I think we understand um, the responsibility, the accountability, why, why a teacher needs to be careful, needs to um, live a certain way. Um, and, you know, and again, to that, to, to reinforce that, you know, Paul talks a lot about, you know, qualifications for certain, for certain gifts within the church being used. But the most details he, he articulates are those of the pastor teacher, of the elder. You know, he has, he has a list of qualifications for those designated doers, the leaders of men. But the teachers of men, he has even greater, I mean, of all of the people, you know, there's not a lot of qualifications you're given for usher ministry in the scriptures, you know? Or, you know, for those doing multimedia, you know, be the husband of, of one wife, not given too much wine. You know, there's not a whole lot of that. But, but if you are the leader of men, a, a deacon, the leader of the doers, and a teacher a preacher, a pastor. I mean, it's, it's the, it, those are the two com components where Paul's like, here's some qualifications. Don't let people do this if they don't fit these qualifications um, as a church. And, and again, I think there's a personal thing. Like we all have to be careful who we allow to be our teachers, who we give that authority to, who we give that responsibility to. Again, they can encourage us, but they can also really disappoint us. You know, as much as, you know, and you'll hear pastors say, hey, you know, don't, 
don't trust me. I'm just a man. I'll fail you. <laughs> it's like, okay, okay, cool. Please don't. But if you fail me, you're also going to hurt me. Like, like that doesn't give you a cop out. Like, yeah, I do know you're a man, but you're a man that I've given you a particular role in my life and the life of my family. And I trust you for that. So don't screw it up. You know, don't let me down. Um, yes, grace, but there's certain things. Don't do it. You know, <laughs> right. avoid that. You're killing me. You know, now judgment. Cause Creighton, you touched on this and this is where I kind of wanted to come back to. Um, with the time that we have left, you know, judgment, we talk about judgment and, and you'll hear, you'll hear people say, you know, within this context, be careful about being a teacher because you'll be held into greater judgment. And, and that immediately gets carried forth into like, um, Hey, you're going to stand before Jesus one day. Right. Mm-hmm. And yet give me an example where the Christian and last time I te- checked, you know, pastors were still Christians, <laughs> even when they failed, they were still saved by grace and not their work. And yeah, they blew it. And they might even disqualify themselves from ever doing that again. But give me one example in which they stand in, in heaven and get, get a, a dressing down by Jesus. Does anyone, any Christian get a, a dressing down by Jesus in heaven? No. Like we talk about the day of judgment. Jesus talks about the day of judgment. I brought this up in a, in a Bible study a couple weeks ago. About idle words, you know, will be brought back on the day of judgment, you'll be held an account for everything you say, you know, and, and the Sunday school teacher will point out, you know, be careful what you say, youngin, you know, because one day you're going to stand before Jesus. Voice. And again, yeah. <laughs> and again, it's like, it's like the idea of, um, you know, everybody's got this, this, this image that, that in heaven, at some point we're going to stand there and our whole, that the projector screen comes yeah. down, you know, the Holy spirit presses play and our whole life for everyone to see, Gets put on display. Did you get that off that Bible track that you used to hand out? <laughs> you know, I don't know, but uh, I'm sure there was a Bible track that did this. Yeah. And it's like, you know, you be careful what you do because, you know, there's going to be those moments that, that you're going to be really embarrassed. And so you shouldn't do this. And you, there's going to be things that you said that, you know, uh, you're going to be filled with shame. And, that you know, that's why there's tears in heaven. Well, there's no example of that anywhere in Scripture. That's more ac- accurate of what's known as the Great White Throne Judgment. Where, where your life is weighed in the balance, and then you're judged accordingly. It is your day of judgment. But for the Christian, our day of judgment is the, the cross. It was Calvary. That was our day of judgment, where every wrong we did, every stupid thing we said, every sin we committed, Jesus bore, and he died for. Press play, nothing comes up. It's just the good <laughs> stuff. So, you know, you're standing there, and that, that track is rolling, right? And you're like cringing, here it comes, and it's gone. Because, you know, God says he casts our sin as far as the east is to the west. Yep. Now, if he said north to the south, you know, there are poles. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you can go north, and then guess what? You will reach a point you can no longer go north. You have found north, and you immediately start going south until you get to the south pole, and it's like, ta-da, I am here, and now I begin north. East to west, you just keep going, man. You know, the deepest parts of the sea and in the Jewish mind. That so was, the Bible just nicks the flat earth theory? Is that the flat earth theory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. There's a north and south end of a circle. <laughs> no, no, we're just kidding. kidding. It still goes it's all just, around. Just no, I'm just evolving. kidding. We're not getting into oh, this. So, so here's the deal. So when James is talking about judgment, so what is he talking about? 
You know, I, I don't think, I don't think the fear should be. I mean, there's only there's only two things you'll hear from Jesus. Right, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into your rest. And you're like, I wasn't that faithful of a servant. And then that's just the the shower, that next wave of grace, where he's like, well done, good and faithful servant. Or he'll say, depart, because I didn't know you. And so even the terrible teacher is still saved by grace, and his sins were judged at Calvary, not to be judged in eternity. So what is James talking about then with judgment? And I think that that's that's a very practical thing. Um, And we see that, right? Uh, there's a you know there's a lot of a lot of Christians and churches commit sin. <laughs> In fact, I'd say frequently. Um, whose sin um, has the biggest reverberation and impact? Whose sin gets talked about more? Whose sin in a church ends up being uh, all over social media? Gets published? Gets an article article from Christianity Today? The teacher, the pastor, the pastor, the teacher. Whose sin? You know, becomes a scandal. That should be all of our sin. But no, 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 no. If we're just being real. Well, it's the pastor. It's the role of the teacher. Again, there's he he is is in an important role that has an important responsibility. And the judgment is the embarrassment. You know, my fear of sin, you know, my fear of, of the big screw up um, isn't the fact that I have to face Jesus one day. Because I'll, I'll, before, between now and then, I hope I go back to the cross and accept forgiveness. The big fear for me is the judgment that happens immediately. You know, that my reputation becomes tarnished. You know, my, my reflection of Jesus wanes. Um, that, I, that, I, that I have damaged the, the impact of the gospel. That people reach the wrong conclusions of Jesus because of me. Because I embarrass my wife, my family, my kids. That's a judgment. That is a practical judgment. And I think that's in, the, in that application what James is saying. Beware. Like, you want to do this because there's, you are in the limelight. You know, you, you are taking a place, a role. But be careful. That DC Talks song, What If I Stumble? What If I Stumble? What If I Fall? Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And then they did. <laughs> yeah. Well, only one of them. Well, yeah, Kevin Max. <laughs> but, but again, you know, Greater responsibility, accountability, the, the ramifications of sin and action. Um, you know, Creighton, pull up that passage again and read it. You know, the judgment. And James is, what I love about it is he's saying, my brothers, you know, my brethren. He's not, he's not being preachy. He's being very relational, isn't he? Yes. He's like, bros, <laughs> you know, be careful. And then he includes himself. You know, we. You know, read it again, Cray. So it is... My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. So you got any, any comments, any feedback? I thought that was very good. I thought I was going to have to push it back towards judgment, but you circled around really well. Um, You're welcome. Yeah, I thought this was very good. <laughs> and it was, um, I think what, what brought it to my mind was the fact that I was talking to Justin today at, uh, when I had to stop by his work. And he was telling me about you guys going to the pastor's conference. Yeah. And it, I was thinking about pastors and, you know, there is a surprising number of uh, pastor garbage fires. Like that seems like if your church gets, you know, to the point where it's a mega church, it's just a matter of time before everything's going to catch flames. Yes and no. And it's fascinating. Yes and no. All right. Um, 
I, I agree and didn't then disagree. Um, I think if you really if you really get down into into the guys that the dumpster fires you speak of, um, to me they're they're never surprising mm-hmm. because of their theology, because of their their modus operandus. It's the style of church that it is. It's the things that made them popular. It's um, you know that th- they're not rooted in scripture. Not to say that that somebody that's rooted in scripture. I mean, good guys fail. Um, I mean, to me, the one that hit the hardest has been Robbie Zacharias, mm-hmm. and then before then, Bob Coy at Calvary Fort Lauderdale, a wonderful Bible teacher, an incredible expositor, um, but became very much a celebrity, the limelight. And then you look back and you're like, man, there were a lot of things going on where it's like, you know, there's a lot of attention grabbing. You know, I, I'm reminded of. Um, Nadab and Abihu, I, I think I might have butchered their names, but um, Aaron's sons when, yes. uh, and Leviticus, where they, they touch the fire. They, they're struck dead. They, they, they're doing ministry the wrong way, and they get judged. <laughs> they get whacked. You know, fire. Um, I mean, God making a point very, very quickly on, on how he wanted his representatives to function. I told you how to do this. You're not doing it the right way. I'm going to make sure the people that come behind you do it the right way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think when Pete, when any, and when a pastor starts t- touching the glory, when he starts becoming um, a celebrity, when he starts, when it's about the attention, you know, there's a reason that that we have no stats whatsoever about the Outlaw Radio Show. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's a reason for that. Um, there's a reason that I mean, people say, well, how many people uh, watch on YouTube or Facebook? And I say, I, you know, there, I'm sure there are dozens. There are hopefully dozens of people. We know at least your mom watches. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, mom, mom and Kelly. Yeah. My mom, your Jennifer. wife, sometimes. My mom watches too. Occasionally. Sometimes. Jennifer. Yeah. But it's like, but it's like, wait, a, wait I was, my brother was in town. He goes, I, I'm really just, it blows me away that you're still doing this. You know, after so many years that you're just still doing it. He goes, well, you must really enjoy it. And I said, I do. Like, I'm doing this because God called me to do it. And in, in, in the moment he says, nah, uh, you shouldn't be doing this anymore, is the moment that I'll, I'll say, but yep, we're done. Mm. Um, but the reason that we don't have any analytics, I have no idea how many people listen to the podcast. Literally, I have no idea. I know. I do the podcast. It could be five people. <laughs> Some in South Africa. It could be you know five people. Mean? It could be 5,000 people. But there's a reason I don't want to know. Because I'm not doing it for that. No. Yeah. If one person gets saved... That's it. It's worth yeah. it. It's the, it well, and, and even then, you know what? I'm going to disagree with that. If no one gets saved, but God told me to do it, still then I'm still going to do it. That's, that's Jeremiah ministered for 40 years and had zero converts. <laughs> like at what point in those 40 years have you got to be thinking, what am I doing? Like what I am, am I the worst wrong? prophet ever. <laughs> and then the whole city gets sacked. I mean, like nobody listens to him. Everyone ridicules him. No one converts. He is a total fit. Can you imagine running a tire shop for 40 years and you never <laughs> change a tire? Wouldn't run it that long. Like, <laughs> it wouldn't be 40 years. I mean, you're there in the office just waiting for someone to walk in for 40 years. I mean, so, so I know what you're saying. If one person's blessed by it, great. I'm, I'm um, going to hope for that and not sack cities. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm I more think, interested in not how many people, but where they're listening 
That I find really interesting. Like no. South Africa, somebody listened to us all the way from South Africa. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Awesome. That's yeah, pretty I can cool. See that. yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we have two people in South Africa, the whole continent. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we're intercontinental. That's you right. Know? Sure. <laughs> yeah, going global, yeah. outlaw radio. But Mr. I'll tell Worldwide. you, but I'll tell you, the most dangerous thing for pastors is success. Mm. It is. It's success, and if you don't safeguard against that, how many people watch watch our sermons online? I have no idea. I don't care because I'm not doing it for that. I'm doing it because Jesus called me to do it and I don't want to touch the glory. Yeah. Like I don't at any at any point be like, yeah, I got it. I got this radio show that thousands of people listen to shut up and listen to me. Mm-hmm. Um, like as somehow I, my voice is more important because more people are listening as opposed to, I have a voice that God gave me and I'm just supposed to be faithful with it. Mm. So, it, you know, getting back to your question, there is a sense there really is a sense that it's like every every week we're getting pastors failing and and it's hitting the news and we are I mean it's true is that abnormal? Um, there have been a lot of bad pastors. That's not a new phenomenon. Um, I think social media, the twenty four hour news cycle, um, the the spread of information, things become way known quicker and on a much larger scale. It used to be mm-hmm. you know a pastor might fail in a community. That community knows about it. You know, it's a little bit of the gospel, you know, the, the, the gossip mill there at the barbershop or the coffee shop, whatnot. But it's not like the entire state or southeast the or world knows, knows about it, yeah. you know. Um, and it's happening a lot in churches where I'm suspect of what's happening in the church anyway. Mm-hmm. And I see it, and I'm like, man, I'm really not surprised at that. Like, one of the least shocking things in the world was, was Mark Driscoll's fall, where they were like, yeah, he was a, he was a bully and kind of abusive. And it's like... Um, did you, did you ever listen to him preach? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like shocker. Um, that's kind of who the guy was and, and, and is, um, so I don't know for me, it's, it's, uh, I'm surprised it, there's, it's not more of it. There, there is more of it. We just don't know about it. Mm-hmm. So you guys have any, any, any thoughts, any, any other yeah, comments, feedback? I think it might be a simple analogy, but the teacher is to the church as the shepherd is to the flock. It's true. Like you're responsible for your flock, where you guide them, where you are leading them to feed off of. Like you're responsible for your flock and making sure that they're all taken care of. So and to protect the them. Import- yeah, exactly. Lead them to, to water. protect them, lead them to where they need to be. So as the teacher, that's your responsibility. So that's not everybody's job. Like the shepherds were, you know, there may only be four or five for a whole flock, but there are four or five for a specific reason because they were given mm-hmm. to guide that flock. And it's, so it's uh, just carrying your analogy out. You know, there's a lot of church ministry structures where it's the sheep leading the shepherd. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's not yeah. the right way. Yeah. <laughs> and that is a complete train wreck. No. Yeah. Um, you, you need a shepherd. And, and really I would say shepherds, you know, I, you can have a few shepherds, uh, you know, Good shepherds, you know, um, especially with the larger the flock, the larger the flock, the more shepherds you need yeah. um, in order to feed effectively and minister to appropriately. And, you know, that connection shepherd and pastor, I mean, that that goes into the Greek. That's where we get the idea yeah. of a pastor, of the shepherd, um, you know, and, and, and good grief. That's really rooted even even broader into, you know, in ancient culture, shepherds were very much looked down upon. They were kind of the outcasts of society um, in, in Jewish culture in particular. Um, and yet, if you go back to all of the patriarchs, um, all of the great heroes of the faith, they were all, <laughs> they were all what? Shepherds. You know, Abraham was a shepherd. Jacob was a shepherd. Isaac was a she- shepherd. Um, the Jews were known as shepherd people, which is why they were placed when they went to Egypt and Goshen, uh, because the Egyptians hated shepherds. 
Um, you know, Moses gets called where? As he's out with the flock, shepherding. David was a shepherd. You know, you go through the shepherds. And, um, you know, and, and who does the gospel go to first outside of Mary and Joseph? It goes to shepherds abiding in the fields at night. Does mm-hmm. it count being a shepherd if you're watching after deer? they are a member of the uh goat family sheep family goat family are they i I have no idea you can make this up yeah they're all split hooves so yeah they have cloven hooves yeah Mm. Yeah, I'm basically. Man, we got a kosher. We got a Leviticus reference. Cloven hooves. <laughs> <laughs> well, dear That's daddy, you, thank you for being with us tonight. You're filling in for Kyle. Absolutely. So appreciate it. Stepping in. Spice Daddy. Appreciate it. It's a good looking hat, by the way. Thanks. I like your hat too. Yeah. Really, really nice. Dear Daddy's got a nice one too. Deal. Yeah. Yes, brand new. Yeah. Fellas, the brother in law's over there. Pretty comfortable. Thank you guys for being with me tonight. Yeah, I'm here. <laughs> Creighton, do we do we unpack that? Anything online? Yeah. Um, uh, Blake Beckham was watching. If you're still watching, hi Blake. He's a kid that I grew up with. You know Blake, Zach. I do know Blake. Um, anything else? Oh man, Blake made a very long post that I now see. I didn't see earlier. There's a very long post oh, that you wow. didn't see. So you're you're quickly scrolling through it to see if it's appropriate to share. I'm gonna have to read it. We'll come back to it next week. We'll have to come back. Well, speaking of next week, week. oh, week after next, next. we will not be uh, programming note. We will not be here next week. Beach, 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 beach. Going to the beach, a late summer vacation. So, with all that being said, guys, thank you so much for being with me tonight. Creighton, as always, thanks, bud. Absolutely. You've been watching or listening. Uh, to the Outlaw Radio Show. If you're listening to the podcast, check out the live stream Wednesday nights at 8 p.m. Again, we'll be back in two weeks, and then we'll be be kind of putting together a couple months uh, worth of episodes. Uh, if you're watching, check out the podcast. The podcast is available on Apple, Google, Spotify, really all the places that you um, subscribe to podcasts. Uh, check us out. Easy way to share it. Pass it along uh, to people that might need to hear this particular episode. With all that being said, may you have a wonderful week. God bless you. And uh, I hope to see you this time in two weeks. God bless. That's a nice hat, Zach. <laughs>